Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James and I am here outside Wembley Stadium on Wembley Way. And I'm with Jack Collins. How you doing? Not too bad, mate. Hello, listeners. How are we? So, nice location for, for a podcast. We're here. We've got a cider at Box Park. And in a moment, we're going to be chatting to Billy the Bee. Of course, today we are looking ahead to Tuesday's championship playoff final here at Wembley Stadium without fans in the grounds. And we're here for other reasons, but it's nice to take in the podcast in the vicinity of where we'll be on Tuesday. And of course, we'll be nowhere near here when the actual game comes around, Jack. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because, I mean, I know this box park that we sat outside is having, well, motioning towards being a, a Brentford fan park in some ways, which seems bizarre, but alas. Um, yeah, it's, it's a weird one being here. And, you know, obviously in the build-up to the last playoff final, we were here a lot. And we did, like, bits and bobs around the ground and all of those things. And it got to the day and it was all, you know, part of it. And it feels weird being here and then not being here yeah, on actual game day, my face isn't splashed all over Wembley Way. So <laughs> that's a massive letdown for the aesthetic value of the place. So, obviously, it's it's the biggest game of the season. It's one of our biggest games ever. And it just so happens it's a local derby as well. It's a bit of a tragedy that we're not in the ground to see it. It would have been one hell of a spectacle had we been there. And... I was looking for the last time that there was ever a derby in a championship playoff final. It hasn't happened this side of the millennia. I think when I looked, there was a derby Leicester in the 90s, which is kind of a derby, but not a proper, proper derby. But it's East Midlands, so so you give it. Yeah, you give it. This doesn't happen very often. Yeah, it's uh, it's sad in many ways that we can't enjoy what would be... I mean, I don't think enjoy is actually the right word, but we can't be there for what will what promises to be, you know, and it, it would have been an incredible occasion. And, you know, like we say, I've mentioned it on here before and time and time again, but like, you know, families divided, all of these things in this kind of setting. And it, it does make for a, a weak thing. And look, I'm so grateful that this time isn't our first time in a playoff final, that this isn't the biggest game our club has ever played. And I honestly don't mean that with any sort of disrespect to Brentford. Like, I'm genuinely a bit like, oh, I would hate if this was us in their position. It would make me, like, really quite sad. And I I think that that's... It's a shame for the spectacle. It's a shame for supporters. It's a shame for the whole occasion. I actually also think it takes the pressure off Brentford. And we'll talk about this. I'll ask Billy if he agrees. Um, But because of their playoff record, because they've not been a game of this, you know, significance magnitude before i actually think think the fact that there isn't fans there might take away from that kind of big moment of the occasion a little bit and that might play into their hands yeah indeed so the big question on tuesday is will metro play um in terms of looking at the squad it seems like fairly full fitness everywhere else um doubts over cav and cabano uh, and i guess we'll just have to wait and see I think Mitro Mitro's definitely in the squad for this one. Unless there's been a complication, Mitro's surely in the squad. And surely, even if he's 80, 90%, it's like a Bobby Zamora against against Atletico. You play him. You, you painkiller him up and you play him for a bit. 
Yeah, the question is if this is actually a, a bigger thing and it's been, you know, it, it's more than what we think. Look, the pictures of him back, back in training last week were encouraging. You know, we're working off scraps as much as everyone else is at the moment. So it's not like there's any knowledge here that, that you all haven't got. You know, on this one, there is very much, you know, what the club's like when it comes to injury news and, and, and trying to get things out. But it's, it's very much a question of if he is fit, you play him. I agree. The only thing I would suggest is, you know, Harry Kane in the in the Champions League final. If you look at that and you look at a striker being rushed back for an event and then not being able to contribute, Fulham, yes, weren't great against Cardiff in the second leg, but, you know, ultimately got the job done without Micho. We've won all but that, that one game with him not in the team. Um, and there are people who are in here that, that will be able to step up. And I would probably suggest that if Micho isn't fit, Abubakar Kamara will start through the middle. Really? That's what I would that's what I would gamble. Wow. I mean that would be a huge nod for for a player that has come through the mill at Fulham in terms of what what he's experienced and then for him to be trusted through the middle for one of our biggest games it would, in, would look, be huge. you have to give it credit he's improved massively uh, yeah. as a player and look we've said this throughout the year but he is you know, he still has elements of the kind of charging bull that we, we saw and kind of loved loved and hated in equal measure at the start of his career. But, you know, his, his improvement is tangible uh, on the ball, the ability to look up and make a decision, add that to his that physical prowess. And suddenly you're looking at a player that can cause people def- uh, problems and, and has done, cause defensive problems because, you know, he, he's kind of unlike anybody else in what he brings. Yeah. And no matter whether Mitro's back or not, you just know that he's going to play a big role in this final. And Scott is going to make sure he uses him. He was electric on Thursday. He was the only one who really looked like he was going to do anything of note to maybe put it in Fulham's favour towards the end. And even just some of his time waste. And I don't mean time wasting like he kicks the ball into the Ability stands. Ability to take the ball to the corner, etc. Yes. Et yeah. um, was exceptional. So you'd imagine Abubakar plays a big role. How much does Fulham's experience um, count for us in, in this situation? The spine of the team has been there before. Tim Ream's been there before. Tom Kearney's been there before. Mitro's been there before. Dennis Adoy, Cyrus Christie. Lots of players, and, and in the wider squad, even more. Yeah, K-Mac, have Ben all, Ellie, etc. They've all been to Wembley. And if they haven't been to Wembley, 90% of our squad's played in the Premier League. Now, it didn't help Villa when they had lots of experience in their side. You had a Champions League and Premier League winner at centre-back, and that really didn't help them. So I'm, I'm kind of on the fence as to how big a deal it is. I think it's important to have big game experience and... You know, but we we've seen it. Well, this kind of statement not backfire, but I mean, Rio Ferdinand made this statement about why he thought Chelsea were going to beat Arsenal in the FA Cup final. He said Chelsea have the experience, <laughs> counting for nothing at the end of the day. I, I do think that there is something in the fact that the players know what it's like to walk out of Wembley. But I mean, the the flip of it is that this is so different to the last time we walked out of Wembley. It's, and this is what I'm going back to about this thing where I think it will help Brentford more is because it doesn't feel like that kind of top of the range occasion it doesn't feel like the the biggest or most expensive game in world football which it is yeah and, and so i think that it will play a part but probably i think that the significance of it is reduced by the fact that there aren't fans there and it's a it's a very different occasion obviously the players will be fired up for it who wouldn't be fired up for it it's it's in their interest to, to win it come from a complete personal point of view but it might just lose that derby spice to it as far as the players concerned 
that element because if it was if it was the two fans in the ground absolutely leathering it themselves at each other you'd maybe feel that derby spice that might be the one thing that's missing without the fans yeah i also think the playoff finals are traditionally quite cagey affairs yes uh, you know they aren't games or haven't been games in the past really where one side has, has run away with it the most comfortable thing that i can remember is uh, norwich at beating Middlesbrough a couple of years back. Yeah. And that was the the one that I think was probably most comfortable. But apart from that, they tend to be quite tight, quite um, like cagey affairs. And, and look, it's a lot to lose and a lot to win. And so I think that people are a little bit like, okay, don't concede early on. Don't, you know, let them in. Yeah. Don't make any early mistakes. Well, and the first goal in this game is massive, isn't it? Well, because yeah. it has been for Fulham all season. Yeah. We score the first goal, we win. And invariably, if we concede the first goal we lose it's 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 so simple for Fulham this year and and it's gonna I, I feel like it's gonna come down to that if Brentford score we might as well all walk out the pub I feel like and if Fulham score actually we may have a shot here well I mean the last time we conceded first we scored 24 seconds later so yeah <laughs> so you know there might be something you know a little bit more and we still went the, on to lose we did lose yeah but alas we we lost in a way that allowed us to to qualify for the playoff final so um, swings and roundabouts a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's quite as drastic as you've just made it out. But yeah, absolutely. The the importance of it is is huge. And I think that that first goal and how it works out is is going to be so important to, to the outcome of the game. All right, Jack. Um, line up for the final. I'll give mine first and then I'll ask you for yours. So yeah. I would have... I mean, it's, it's all fairly self-explanatory, but a couple of key ones here or there. I would have Rodak... Brian on the left, Riemann Hector, and I would pick Cyrus Christie as right back. I'd feel for Dennis Adoy that he doesn't play, and I do really, really like Dennis, but I still think he's a better op option off the bench in case anything goes wrong with our, with our back line. I would then have... Now, this is where it gets really, really difficult. I would have Reed, of course. I would have Onoma, and I would have Kearney. I think Kearney played... In the last one and a half games against Cardiff, he had a poor opening half in that first semi-final against Cardiff, but he played very well other than that, and I think you want your captain in the final. And then assuming everyone is fit, Cabano, Mitro. I can't work out if I want Knockart or if I think Knockart. I would go for Kamara on the right wing, personally, if everyone was fit. I'd go exactly the same apart from I would start Anthony Knockart. I've just got a feeling about Anthony Knockart on Tuesday night. I, okay. I don't know what it is. Uh, he's been one of the most frustrating players in the world this season. I've just got a feeling about Knockart on Tuesday night. And also, I think Kamara's influence off the bench was so extreme against Cardiff that I think you basically want that again. Uh, if Cabano isn't fit, I would start Kamara on the left. That's what I would suggest. And what, they um, have Knockart on the right? Knockart on the right. Knockart always on the right. You can't play Knockart on the left. Um, I don't think Cav starts whatever happens. Yeah. But Which I is also sad think because that Cav is not that useful off the bench, but he might be useful if you've got an extra time, for example. He's also yeah. capable of a moment of magic, Cav. Um, so even... I, I think Knockart has been one of these players who's been really ineffective off the bench. Cav is a little bit more kind of stylish a little bit more lackadaisical if you will um but in a game of this magnitude i would hope that him coming off the bench he'd be able to have more of an effect so i, I would hope that we see cav but i wouldn't start him right and now. is kenny the right player for yeah, this I'd match start, I, I i just don't think you can drop your captain 
like full stop, whatever you think. Tom if Kenny it was up scored to you, the though. goals. Tom Kenny scored the goal that took us to the Premier League last time. There is literally zero worlds where I don't start Tom Kenny. I guess what just his experience on this occasion. Everything. I, look, I, I think that. Tom Kenny has been excellent, I think, in the last two games, especially carrying the ball, progressing the ball a little bit more. He, he's learning, I think, in that relationship with Onoma, how they kind of work, alongside work in tandem, how, how that changes. I, I think it would be absolute madness not to start TC. He, he is still, on his day, like, up there with the best technical players in this division. Like, full stop. And then I guess the question is just... On, I the right, Cyrus as well. on the right-hand side of defence, but I think it would be uh, superfluous to ask you whether you thought Cyrus or Adoy should play. No, 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 I completely understand why people have played Adoy, and I think that given the, the strength of the Brentford counter, there is, there is kind of legitimacy to making an argument that we should have a player who's a little bit more defensively minded, but you also, from that perspective, I think you can get at Brentford down their right-hand side because I think Saeed Benrahma's defensive work rate is low. And if you yeah. can get the overload in on, you know, on Rico Henry, then suddenly you have two-on-one. That's how we create opportunities. It's how we, how we manage to get at them as well. You know, it's not all about countering Brentford. Part of this is how you win the game. And I think you win the game through a player like Cyrus Christie. Okay, uh, let's answer a couple of questions before we speak to Billy the Bee. So what's come through? Okay, we've had a couple of questions of this kind of vein. Drew Paul, also from Column. You know, do you think Parker stays irrespective of what league we're in next season? Now, I want to know what you think will happen and also what you would do. I've, I feel like I've reached an equilibrium with Scott. I've been on this, like, balance of scales all season of whether I want Parker in or Parker out. And some games I've been really for him and some games, particularly after that Leeds game after lockdown, I genuinely didn't think that there was a future for Parker at Fulham. I'm now tipping towards that if we didn't go up, it would be really, really sad, but that Parker, I believe, would be our best chance of going up next season. I, personally, would keep him at the football club next year and give him another year. And I think the Khans would have to just admit and swallow their pride and think that actually you put a rookie manager in charge and it was never 100% sure that he would get you promoted. However, the, I think the Khans are pretty ruthless, particularly Shahid. I think Tony's a bit more lenient than Shahid, but ultimately his dad calls the shots. And I think he's a man that deals in targets. And I think he's a man... Matt that, targets. Yeah. Sadly, he didn't deal in Matt targets. I think he will look at the situation and go, Scott... You had one job and you failed. And that there will be someone lined up ready to take over from Scott if we don't win. And that's just what I believe the Khans would do. As I say, I think that Scott, since those Leeds games, has earned the right to keep it his. I'm just not sure if he would. I wrote a big article on Scott about it's a, brilliant article. a week. Fulhamish.co.uk, check it out. It's a very good article. Jack won't say so himself. Um, I won't. But it was it was about basically the idea of playing the long game with a manager. And, and and look, I think Scott would be the first to admit that he has got quite a lot wrong this year. Yeah. Um, and that Fulham haven't been very good for long parts of this season. However, we are in a playoff final. We are 90 minutes away from the Premier League if we play things correctly. I think that there is something that Scott is building here. Look, I'm not sure what it is. And I also think that I'm, I'm guilty of this. So this is no criticism of other people. We've become 
accustomed to the idea that Fulham play really good, swashbuckling, sexy football. Uh, you know, our greatest achievements ever were played playing a very, very rigid, structured 4-4-2 or a 4-4-1-1, if you will, if Zoltan Gira was in the side under, under Roy Hodgson. You know, we weren't a swashbuckling, sexy football team. We were an attritional, agricultural side that knew what we had to do to get done. Yeah, we played some good stuff at times, but ultimately we were hard to beat, compact, and we defended like absolute lion hearts for, for the main period of that Roy Hodgson era. Yeah, I think Scott is trying to take Fulham away slightly, slightly from the kind of open swashbuckling model that saw us get taken apart in the Premier League. And I have come round to the idea that Parker is trying to rebuild or remould, should we say, this side a bit more in his own image. Now, I think there are massive caveats to this. I think part of, and maybe the biggest part of Parker's job, is working out how Tom Kearney functions in an eight, because he is no longer the 10 that he was under Slavisa Jakanovic. He no longer gets the ball in the hole, dictates games, creates opportunities. He is now much more of an eight in a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, if you will, um, than yeah. he ever has been before. And I think that trying to transition into that and then the success of that transition is absolutely crucial to, to Scott's tenure at the club. Like, if he can manage that transition effectively, then he has, I would say, a real future uh, in management because that is unbelievably difficult as a task. To teach a player like Tom Kearney, who was... The eye for the killer pass, the you know the, the goal scorer from outside the box to become what you need as an eight in the middle of the park in the Premier League, that's some task. And that's no disrespect to Tom Kenny, who is a wonderful footballer um, and, and maybe one of the most gifted technical players I've ever seen. Um, but it's you know it, it's a difficult job transitioning positions. It always has been. Like you yeah. know, players don't often transition successfully into new positions, and there's a reason for that because positions are you know very very independent individual of each other so that's what i would say there are there's a lot of things i would keep scott parker um now i'm not also saying that that is going to be the the recipe for success or instant success i just think that i'd be interested to see what this fulham side can achieve if they do become you know less kind of reliant on winning games 5-3 and because we know that if we lose tomorrow it's mitrovic's last game well, it's actually, you're not as certain of this, are no, you? No, I don't. But I, I fully have a, a theory here that Mitrovic could become, for want of a, you know, a notice right here, Fulham's Troy Deeney. A player that just becomes the kind of spiritual heartbeat of the club. And maybe, you know, Troy Deeney a couple of years back was being linked with moves to Arsenal and all sorts. And look, I, I don't think he's good enough for that. I, I think Mitrovic is, is almost certainly good enough to play for... Uh, a mid-tier Premier League club. I just don't see where the offer's coming from. I think he's happy and settled in London, from what I understand. He seems very content with what he's got. If he was to go, if Germany, if there are offers coming from Germany, that's where I could see it maybe maybe coming up trumps for him. Yeah. Um, but I just can't see him moving to a West Ham or a Crystal Palace or any of those sides. I just can't see it. It just doesn't really make sense to me as a long-term perspective. And I don't think those clubs have the money to stump up for what we'd want for him. And on what I just said earlier about the Khans being ruthless with Scott, because you know, Tony Khan said it to us, didn't he? On that podcast that we did with him over a year ago now, which is kind of mad. The goal is auto-promotion, in his words. And if we can't make auto-promotion, the playoffs. I, I can't, I don't, I, I just can't see them being lenient as, as, a, as an ownership. 
Yeah, maybe. Uh, perhaps. I, I think that there is more to it than this, and there is understanding that this season has been different to any other. You know, we're in, for one, it sounded like every single other person in the news ever, unprecedented times. Um, and, and I think there will be a kind of understanding that this kind of hasn't, been a normal campaign that's what i would suggest i would say if it's normal if this has gone all the way through and nothing had happened with a pandemic and etc etc and we were in the same position i'd be maybe more tempted to agree with you but i think given the circumstances yeah, there might be a little bit more scope all right we'll take a quick break there because after the break we're going to be speaking to the one the only mr brentford himself billy the bee would you like the latest Fulham breaking news straight to your phone? I thought you might. If so, sign up to the Fulhamish WhatsApp channel and you'll receive regular match day updates, transfer updates, breaking FFC news and podcast alerts. It's 100% free and you can opt out anytime if you want. To sign up, go to fulhamish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp and follow the instructions. That's fulhamish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. And we are joined by the one, the only, Mr. Brentford FC himself, Billy the Bee. How you doing? I'm not bad, lads. How are you doing? Good to see you. Good to see you too, mate. Dragged, dragged, you out of, dragged you out of West London. I mean, I know Brentford are a West London team, but this is more my manner. Your patch. And I, I was uh, very surprised to see you here. I cycled all the way up here, Bill. I did notice that as well, actually. You're looking mighty fit, Sammy. Thank you very much. Yeah, You're th- busier than Santa at Christmas at the moment, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere I look. Yeah, everywhere we go, mate, people want to know. <laughs> Billy the Bee cashing in on his big day. <laughs> Um, Bill, it's come down to this. Whose cup final is it, by the way? It's a cup. We'll come on to it. It's a cup (laughs) final, Bill. It's finally happened. Um, And it's come down to it, hasn't it? Like, how long have we... Ever since we started this podcast, you and I have have chatted and there's always been back and forth and Fulham and Brentford and it's your cup final, it's their cup final, it's, it's a big deal for you, it's not a big deal for us. Now it is. Tuesday's a big deal, Bill. I'll give you that. Tuesday is a big deal. How are you feeling about it all? Because, and we don't mean this flippantly, it actually is the biggest game of your history. It is the, well, I'd I'd say... And it's it's not just because it's Fulham. No way, and in no way is it just Fulham. I I mean, I'd argue it's the biggest game in our recent history. I mean, if you want to go back to the Brentford historians, you know, back to before the war, when we were, you know, the biggest team in London, even bigger than Arsenal, we had some pretty big games there as well, some pretty big crowds at Griffin Park, but I would admit it is the biggest game in our recent history, and we don't mind because we we have, you know, we don't say any qualms about the fact that we've been sort of kind of sort of like rocking around the third and fourth tier for the last 40 years ever since I've been supporting Brentford and I've said this every time I've you know I've come on here that you know the, the Accrington Stanleys and the Gillinghams and the sort of Scunthorpes and the Wrexhams and all those places which to be quite honest with you I loved going to all those places because I love as you call it the lower leagues and us coming up to the championship it took it up to another level but still we just thought we were having a bit of a laugh we got you know, playoffs that first season, you know, um, when we played you, when you got relegated as well. And that was just fun. But since then, it's kind of got sort of slightly more serious year on year for Brentford. And uh, it's got to the stage where about six years later now, we're at the verge of, you know, one match, 90 minutes. Yeah. Plus extra time and penalties from uh, from the Premier League. And um, it's a bit of a weird one for us because what we've been quite used to, and listen, I love football I want to beat Fulham I want to beat all these other teams but also I like having a bit of a laugh having a beer you know, having a beer with you guys as well having the banter as they call it you know but at the end of the day you want to win but you, you have your little jokes so every time we play you guys 
we have proper I mean we always have the laughs with yeah. you we always are over you on the jokes because it's never been it's not as if it's never been serious but there's always been no pressure from us the pressure's always been from you because you're the big team with the big money and you've come down from the Premier League and the pressure's always on you where it hasn't been on us because we're like we're just Brentford mate we just come yeah, out of yeah. the third division and we're yeah. just having a laugh but all of a sudden I'm not saying things have swift shifted but they, they, they've definitely changed and I'm sort of coming in here thinking I don't know if I could take the piss out of them like I, like I normally do <laughs> you know, I might have to just calm down a little bit I think, I think there's a funny thing about this and it kind of comes on from that is do you think that actually the the pressure normally is I mean you're completely right normally completely on us and and looking at this game and and look we know how it when we came here two years ago against Villa, we and I, and I know how the Villa fans must have felt then. We were the darlings of Sky, the like fucking swashbuckling, you know, really sexy football team that that kind of swaggered into the playoffs and and did things there. And Villa must have been like, why do they never talk about us? And and I think looking at what happened on when we were on on Thursday night. Yeah. And like got to half time and they were showing the Brentford like highlights from the night before. And I was like, There's more Brentford was like, in the coverage on. of Fulham's game on Thursday than was a Fulham. But look, you're now, I think, the neutral's choice, if I'm honest. I think you are now probably the neutral's favourite, where we were very much that two years ago. You know, a lot of people who don't have a, a horse in the race would now be like, Yeah, we'd like to see Brentford in the Premier League, new team in the Premier League, all of these things. And because of the way the season finished, do you think there's more pressure on you than us this time? I mean, it depends what the... I think there's pressure on both of us. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know, and, and I'm not being facetious here. There's obviously pressure on both of us. Um, looking on the faces of uh, the team and the managers after both games, I would say that it looks like there's more pressure on you than us still because we've had a pressure session probably at the right time. We had the pressure session where we had to beat Stoke. And, you know, I'm not being funny. When we play with playing Stoke and, you know, again, you follow championship football a lot. People, if people will just look at the table and go, ah, you're playing Stoke. But, you know, you know and I know, you know, if you throw XG and all this consult into the yeah, part, yeah. Stoke City are like one of those teams where you just don't want to, you just don't know what you're going to get with them. Absolutely. They're either really rubbish or they can be actually quite good and they yeah. should have been probably a top six, top eight side. You know, so you knew it's always going to be a problem. So you go into the Stoke game and for me, that was the one, because when I, when I played you, I mean, again, we had a bit of a laugh when it was on the TV before and we were like, ah, this is a bit of a laugh, isn't it? Because, it didn't There's, feel like there was anything on no, it. No, I didn't, I didn't remotely think that we were going to catch West Brom at no, that stage. No, All no. I thought is like, win a few games. Let's, let's, if we could beat Fulham, we can. If we don't, doesn't matter. Win a few games, lose a few, draw a few, and we're in the playoffs. Yeah, easy. And then and it's going to be a lottery. That's right, and then it's going to be a lottery. But all of a sudden, Jesus, we've won four. Oh, we've won four. Oh, we've sons. Oh, oh, seven. Oh, my God. Everyone, everyone's expecting us to go up automatically. Then we're playing Stoke City, the game that they expect you to win. I was nervous as hell by that stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm pacing around the pub. I couldn't sit down. I was, it was a nightmare, you know what I'm saying? Bang, we, we fluffed it. And I was gutted after that. And then the Barnsley game came. And I went to that game with no pressure. I'm like, oh, well, we fluffed it. West Brom ain't going to fluff it against QPR. QPR ain't going to do us any favours. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then they did. And then it's like, oh, no. <laughs> the, the pressure's on again. And we could, uh, pacing around the pub and we were all scared and we scored the goal and it was like, you know, heart in your mouth and, and it didn't quite happen. So those are the two moments. And then the Swansea, I thought, was different because even though we lost against them, it was the Stroudism. Stroud, he cheated and, you know, it, it, and that just turned everything. And after that, the red card got rescinded. We had the pep talk with the, you know, with the manager. We did, we did the video for the players and everyone was, you know, and, and, and also we just knew Brentford would come back for that second match and they were potty for it. 
So I just feel that that pressure moment, we had it then. Not saying we not have got it now, but they at least know how to handle the pressure. They've had the experience of that proper, you know, a boiler, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. pressure at that stage. Well, that was it. Like, if, if you were going to bottle it, you were going to bottle it, uh, you know, at that point, I think. And it was the first 15 minutes of that game were really were really crucial I thought if Swansea scored first you could implode and especially with the way that Frank was talking about everyone being agitated and irritated and angry I was like we could have red cards galore here and like if Swansea score first we you know it could really go like it really could kick out and as soon as you scored you know twice in succession I was like this could be 4-0 now it's a, obviously it made it a little bit nervy at the end but you know, ultimately, it was one of those things where, like, as soon as you got the two goals, I was like, well, Brentford are in the final. It's now a question of whether we go and join them or not. So, and I, I think something that we, Miss Sammy's kind of discussed a little bit earlier, but there's no fans here, obviously, which is a crying shame, frankly, because, as you know, as Sammy mentioned, it's the first Derby game in a playoff final since Derby Leicester in the mid 90s, basically. Um, they don't come around very often. That's a proper, uh, we've been robbed of a, what would have been an, an, an incredible occasion. But, you know, we, with your record in playoffs, and I, I honestly don't think it matters that much in there, but with all of that and the fact that Fulham have been in a playoff final before, do you think the lack of crowd plays into your favour? Because it's not going to be perhaps the pressure cooker that it might be if that was 100,000 people in there screaming their nut off. Yeah, we've talked about this again, you know, on our Pride of West dot London podcast a lot about the crowd, and we felt that the crowd played into our favour at the beginning of lockdown because we had absolutely no pressure at the start of lockdown. And then towards the middle of lockdown, I think you guys and West Brom and everybody settled into it. And so no crowd also did all you lot a favour. So it evened itself yeah, out. Yeah. And then at the back end of it as well, we felt that we needed the crowd when we were playing, you know, your Barnsleys and maybe even your Stoke Cities. We felt that we Trying could have actually done that. In almost. Yeah, so, we, so it's really weird. So it's kind of like, if you think about it, the crowd not being there has probably evened itself out over all the Aye. scenarios. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's probably got us to probably where we probably should have been anyway going into this final what I would say about the crowd is okay there's not going to be 90,000 people there and um, you know I mean we would, we would have been absolutely potty we mean I mean everyone and their dog would have come out people they haven't seen for years from Brentford would be coming out for the Fulham game you know yeah, yeah. there'd have been all sorts of bees up Fulham down malarkey behind that goal and I think that personally I think that the atmosphere would have probably helped us um, it would have helped raise our game. As you know, there's, there's this whole atmosphere between Brentford and Fulham and we're just always really potty for it. And Fulham, both on the pitch and off the pitch, normally, and I'm saying normally because, you know, this is a one-off now, this is totally different, it doesn't normally happen. So I'm thinking that probably it's better for you that there's no crowd inside because I think the crowd would have actually really lifted it. See, I, I'm just not 100% sure because the only thing that I think Fulham have got in this situation is... Mitro, Kearney, Reem, Adoy, Christy, I mentioned it in the first part of this podcast. Been there, been done before, it. Yeah. Been there, done it. Know what it's like to deal with. You know, Villa allowed that day. We were allowed that day. We had the white wall. I, I, I do think there is an element of... I mean, to be honest, when you come down to it, they're professional footballers. It won't feel like a derby to them, will it? It will just feel like... An a, important, sl- a very important game of football. A, a very important training match it, it still will and it still just won't have that atmosphere for them they'll know what it means be, everything's on the lines for them professionally and personally but I don't know it, it's it's not gonna have that that spice that needle I'd almost guarantee there's a red card in this game if there's fans inside the ground I don't know if you agree possibly yeah yeah I mean I'm, I'm I am gutted 
you know, probably like you are, that, yeah. you know, that we aren't, you know, that we aren't played. I mean, my daughter, who, you know, she was with me, we were actually on our way down to Fulham, you know, for that match. And she's only 11 years old and she's been so looking forward to going to Craven Cottage. To try and get her a ticket for that match was a nightmare as well because, you know, tickets were like gold dust because obviously there's only a couple of thousand tickets for away fans as well. But she was so excited about that. She was also, you know, she, 11 years old, but she's saying, you know, if we get to the playoff final, it looks like we're going to play Fulham. That's going to be fantastic. So it's not, you know, just passing it down the generations as well. Yeah, yeah. Having that experience would have been, you know, for me, it was, it was great. So um, it's, it's one of those things where I think all of us have tried to, not normalise it, but we're trying to kind of come to grips with the situation as fans. And I've got my head around not seeing Griffin Park you know finally it's taken me like till walking down there after the chef, uh, after the Swansea match and standing outside there and seeing the lights go off going thinking actually I did think there was going to be a game next season but maybe there actually isn't going to be so I've kind of put that to bed I finally walk, probably walking down here today and seeing the buskers here. We're outside Wembley Stadium, by the way. You probably know that as well. So I can see the arches here and I'm, I'm sitting on Wembley Way and I'm sitting outside of the bar here where all the fans would sit and I'm thinking, actually, I'm, I'm on this spot here and actually it's sort of just rocked home for me that actually we won't be here on Tuesday this night. This won't be streaming red and white. Oh. Also, it's a Tuesday night. It doesn't, you know, the whole playoff thing, been a Saturday, been in all the pubs and oh. all of those things. And this this place being so alive, you know, half white, heart claret and blue, the, the last time we were here, it was... You know, the occasion of it as much as, as anything else course, right? being in the pubs and all of those things this place lit up the pub's been half and half and, and, and all of those things yeah. it, it, I, that's what I'm going to miss about it that's what I'm I'm most sad about here and, and yeah. look the, the, I, I said earlier but you don't enjoy playoff finals <laughs> you don't enjoy games like this really you enjoy as the end a fan. of it oh I hope well, yeah we enjoyed the last time but yeah. I enjoyed maybe one minute of Fulham playing Villa here two years ago and there's a picture of me sat with my head in my hands and the scoreboard above there reads naught 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 six and it was like I was six seconds in and I'm sitting head in hands can't kind of like cope I don't think I enjoyed anything apart from the goal and the whistle final whistle that was it like then it was great but that was the bit but I'm still gutted that it's not going to be one of those things you just mentioned Griffin Park and actually it reminded me we have a question for you about that from Tamador he says would you swap winning the playoff final behind closed doors for the last game at Griffin Park being in front of fans? I mean, that's, obviously, it's a very hypothetical question, that one. And, and also, I've also explained the fact that, you know, I'm not, you know, I've got my head around, you know, the final game at Griffin Park. I suppose you're going to say, would I, you know, do you want to win the playoff final? Or would you rather just, you know, go to a last game at Griffin Park? I mean, I, I'd say at this stage... I would prefer to win the playoff final. I thought you would have gone the other way. On no, that at this very stage, because oh, it's difficult. Because the thing about it is that oh, because you're here, it's yeah, really yeah, hard yeah, to yeah. make that decision. You're not here. Yeah, yeah. We um, we were asked that question about a month or two months ago, and we said, actually, we put this question out to our besotted crew, and we said, okay, tell you something, would you rather? win the playoff final now which is kind of what you're asking yeah, so yeah. would you rather win the playoff final now which is going to be behind closed doors or if you knew that you could do park it and you can 100% win the playoff final or get promotion next season but with fans what would you prefer and 100% every single person said they would rather um, get promoted next season with the fans if they knew it was 100% and put it off for a year rather than do it now so kind of probably asking that question now that is, but the problem that we have now is that we're playing you yeah, yeah, yeah. and Fulham and we, and we can't 
we, we can't, can't separate we can't, that. Okay. We can't be beaten by you. This is, this is exactly <laughs> where I was coming on to next. And I think there's an element of Fulham fans, and there's, there's a proportion of Fulham fans. Premier League, we've been there. We've been there a long time. The last season we there were there was, was horrible. The Championship is a better league for fan experience than the Premier League. There's just no doubt about it. And there's an element of Fulham fans to whom Premier League Championship met. I enjoy the Championship a bit more. But for me now, and I maybe I, I can understand, I can sympathise that crew, although I, I think there's an element of it's easier to think that the Championship's great when you're good. The Championship when you're 14th, 15th isn't so good. I digress. This game now, for me, almost becomes a must-not-lose because it's you guys. And I, and I just think it's a rivalry-defining match that unless we somehow reached an FA Cup final or something like that down the line. I, I just can't think when this game, this particular rivalry will ever be bigger than Tuesday night. And, 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 and I'd, be, I'd love to hear it from your perspective. No, I, I agree with you, but I, I'm going to say something as well, though. In a way, listen, if, if one of us was to lose, this is probably... One of the, us is going to lose, is, Bill. Yeah, no, okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay, one of us is going to lose, but if you're going to lose, this, this is the one, this is the playoff final to lose, not the one when there's like 40,000 Brentford fans or Fulham fans in there as well, because there's going to be absolutely hell going home and just hell seeing that and seeing it on television the whole time and crying on the deli and all that kind of stuff. So I think for me, the other thing that I've got my head around saying is actually, I can actually get my head around um, this playoff final now because... We've lost every single one, every single of eight we've been in so far. Yeah. And this is number nine, and I'm not allowed into this one. And maybe actually, for once, they might, might actually it. kind of flip it. So it's not my fault and all the other Brentford fans' fault. So I think without the heads, is like we're getting our head around thinking, like, let them just get on with it. We always want to be there and be the 12th man, but maybe we don't need to be the 12th man this time. So I think that's how we're kind of getting through the game ourselves a little bit. Do you remember how, long, how much you went on about the 4-1? Still, I was talking about it last night. Yeah. Like, I love if, it. If you win this game, you're never going to shut up about it. I'll tell you something. I, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I still will go on about the 4 no, 1. No, 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 that's fine. No, no, I no, no, agree, no, but... no, no. The four, I think the 4 1 will still supersede this because we were there. Yeah, okay, it's about, yeah, maybe. It's about maybe. the fan experience for me. It's yeah, like you yeah. being there and going down on the rivers and the barges and the pubs beforehand and the 4 1. My wife was there and my mates, my brother and my mate had come over from Dubai and we were all there together and there were 7,000 of us behind the stand. Everything was just perfect that day. So that's why we go on about it because yeah, yeah. It's a, we're all football fans and it's you day, know it. Yeah, as much as anything else. It's about, the, it's about the experience. And talk about days actually. I actually watched when you won the playoff final two is it two years ago yeah. here in Serbia my my brother and uh, my sister-in-law was actually getting married were you in a Fulham bar I was in a bar <laughs> and uh, well I mean a Fulham bar there, there is, there's, there's a no Fulham th pub in, in Belgrade with like Fulham logos and stuff on the thing no, in the middle of Belgrade no no but I, 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 I wasn't, he hasn't been in there I wasn't I was, was going to get one for the books there. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't no actually I was in the I was in the hotel beside the sort of kind of where, the, where they had the sort of pre-reception beautiful bar overlooking uh, overlooking this the, and the funny because everybody everyone in the bar was supporting Fulham Obviously, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Mitro and uh, Slav easy, as yeah. well. But the, the irony is that Slav was going to be at the wedding. 
he was going to be at my brother-in-law's wedding because he knows him. He's a football agent, you see. So it was touch and go. He's like, what's it? A couple of weeks before, and he goes, "Ah, oh, I don't know if Slav's going to be at the wedding because you know he's got a, he's kind of busy at the moment. Like you know what I'm <laughs> he's got stuff on. <laughs> so yeah, so there's only there's like two people supporting West Aston Villa, or supporting Aston Villa in the bar, and like about sort of sixty Fulham fans, and uh, it didn't. And, and also somebody at the wedding there was a Fulham fan who decided to go to the wedding as opposed to uh, who's a season ticket holder as well. Went to the wedding as opposed to actually going to the match I know which I have to admit I was, I was a little bit mm, not sure about not, not what I'd have done but, no. but you know fair play because I'll say this because I'd actually bought a ticket about six months earlier back from Serbia to London just in case we got to the playoffs as well I haven't told my sister-in-law about that she doesn't know and then I was going to fly back the following day for the wedding but um, and by, obviously I've not told them about that so it's probably best best let's come on to the team and I, I feel like I've really got to know this Brentford team yeah I know them really well now um, in, in the past season but maybe just last few months as well or half time during the Cardiff game <laughs> yeah and half time and half time and full time and everything else yeah. during the Cardiff game Everyone goes on about BMW. In the last time we did a big Brentford preview, though, you did talk about some of your, not fringe players, but some of the players slightly less celebrated. And one of the people you talked about was Emiliano Macondes, who, of course, came on against Fulham and played brilliantly and and scored the all-important goal. How do you see Brentford setting up for this final? Is it that Thomas Frank has his starting 11? He'll 100% stick with it? Or do you anticipate... Any little rotation. I can and just to add to that, you know, we've seen him go with two separate midfield trios, one with the silver in it and one with Emiliano. It felt like when he put Emiliano into the second leg for the second leg against Swansea, it was like handbrake off. It was almost like, right, you go for it now. Is it a bit more cagey because it's a playoff final, or do you reckon Thomas Frank just absolutely lets this loose? I'll tell you something, I I I, I can't second guess Thomas. I don't really know because the fact is that you know we we tried to do a couple of cagey things and they didn't work I think against Stoke City we thought you know contain 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 bang hit them on the break and it didn't quite work because they you know they were very good Stoke in their defence yeah, so it didn't quite work for us as well yes you, you're right pretty much our second our first 11 is pretty much as is you know you might see Jensen in you might see Jensen out you might see De Silva in you might see De Silva out you might see Marcondas in you might see Marcondas out but that's where three of the four are going to start know, there's a little it? bit it. of a, a rotation there and I suppose it just and, and I, I and, and also the other thing is that I I can't there's no science about it and I did ask a and I'm not going to mention his name but there's a, an ex uh, a bees player who's uh, who's been drinking and watching games with us as well and I sort of said you know what you know what, what what's going on what, what exactly is you know why is McConda's in and, and why is it Jensen why and I think he just said look it's just rotation you know we've, it's a really long period of time that the guys are really tired so I just think he's just kind of rotating them just to try and keep them fresh and I think it really is as simple as that you know interestingly like with Jensen Jensen was getting a little bit of a, a heat mm, yeah. from, uh, from Brentford fans because for a couple of games we didn't think he was on his game and he and started he but, but Thomas Frank is, is really he's, mate, he's properly loyal 
if he believes in something, he will go with it. Some people say sometimes he's a bit stubborn, but I think he, he's got a way of going about things. So I remember before he was, when he had his first 10 games and he hadn't run any of them, and I remember meeting him and chatting to him and stuff, and he was just telling me about what was going right, what was going wrong, and the players that he wanted to play. And he, he was really fixed in his mind. Emiliano's a great player. And I was like, oh, he's not, oh, he's called, oh, don't worry, he's one of the best, most skillful players in the park. So he knows what he wants to do, and it's almost like he's not flinched. So with him, he's thinking, I think Jensen's a brilliant player. I think he's going to do really well. I'm going to stick by him, stick by him, stick by him. Two dodgy games, three, you know, okay, Dames, bang. Fourth game comes out and he's he's a killer. So I think answering, trying to answer your question, I I don't know. But we know probably going to be ten, nine or or ten of those players we know who they're going to be. Who would you go with? Against Fulham? Um... Right, so would you go with the silver? I love the silver, actually. I really, He's a wonderful footballer. I, I, I love the silver. My guy's on showboat on Soccer AM every yeah, single week. You know, I, I love him. But then sometimes when he comes on, then he starts, and then he doesn't quite have the game that you want him to be. And so the next game he's on the bench, then he comes off the bench, he's brilliant, so you don't know. Marcondes, what I notice about Marcondes is that Marcondes, when he's on it, and he's got, his, he's got his attacking, but also he's got his defending head on, and he's like, he's just getting involved. And I, I actually really like that, and I think that could be really... It could be really useful for us, but then obviously, you know, if he comes off the bench, yeah, we've seen what he can do. Off the yeah, bench. so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving you an answer here because I, I don't know. We're, we're sport for choice. So that game that we played at the beginning of lockdown, I actually see this game being quite similar. Hopefully, not the final outcome that happens. Of course, we know we know that you won in the end, and it was a big battle, wasn't it? It was between Pontus Janssen and Alexander Mitrovic, and whilst Mitrovic did often meet the, the headers from the crosses that, that came in often from Brian and stuff. Yeah, Janssen often just did enough, didn't he, to put off Mitra and never make them clear cut. Rea did do one good save. That game very easily could have gone our way. And, and, and the sure, crossbar, don't forget. Yeah, and I'm sure that, that you would accept that game could have gone our way. It just didn't quite fall for us that day. And then late on the break, you won it. If Mitrovic is fit, and there's a big if, we don't know, but he's, we I expect him to feature some part in this game personally. Janssen and Mitrovic is going to be one of the big, big battles in order to see who wins it. Big game Pontus came out at the end of the Swansea game, to be fair. Hopefully he comes he comes back in, a, in another big game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Listen, you know, he's got one mistake in him and uh, I think he's made that one, you know. <laughs> got one mistake in him per game, Bill. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. Listen, are you, are you, have you touched wood there, by the way? Did uh, you? I'm, I'm, I'm sat on wood. Yeah. <laughs> I live on wood now, but yeah. it's very much That's everything right. I do is touch I'm doing so much touching wood at the moment <laughs> now. It's like you can hear me just knocking the whole time. But listen, Pontus versus me. I mean, I thought, again, you know, my brother-in-law actually, he messaged me um, after that game because obviously he knows Mitro as well and he's going oh yes Pontus he's, uh, he's having a lot of trouble against Mitro and I said listen did he score you know and he says oh but he's like you know I said listen at the end of the day yeah okay get with the headers but Mitro is big and he's strong Premier League quality striker yeah and as you said he did enough to kind of put him off and yes gave us a few little heart attacks but still he's doing the things that we haven't been doing back in the day so that's good I mean <laughs> you probably come on to a little bit later or you probably talked about it already on your podcast as to whether or not Mitro is playing. I mean, the fact is that he's not been on the bench for, for a couple of games. So whether or not he's going to come off, you know, firing on all cylinders, you know, against the Brentford defence, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they've decided to rest him because they thought you're through already and you he needed a bit more time. I don't know. But, you know, what, what you also have to remember is um, that was the first game out of lockdown 
and we won it and we were buzzing and then we went and beat West Brom after that and we were double buzzing and then we just kind of grew into and I mean, you know, by the time we played Reading I mean we were like flipping knocked them off the park we played Wigan and it was just like bang 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 so there was a we've grown into our game over the last of kind yeah. of you know through the lockdown period so yes Pontus has got you know and all these players got in him but also you've got Ethan Pinnock oh mate he's just brilliant yeah, he's, he's, he's just absolutely brilliant the sweeper you know just getting everything so I I think that we'll be a little bit more settled at the back now um, and we're probably very grateful not say we're probably I know I'm very grateful that we ain't playing Cardiff so you ain't got the, the throw-ins coming from the halfway line like you know what I'm saying just coming yeah. into you like every three minutes it was a pitch battle wasn't it oh mate you know. that's, it's not going to be that oh, it's, just, it's just a nightmare because you've just got your heart in your mouth because you don't know when the ball comes and it bounces and it's going to drop and somebody pokes it in the back of the net you know no we're not going to be having that so I think that you know the battle's going to be a little bit more <laughs> a little Technical, bit more structured yeah. Yeah. you know and a little bit kind of sort of you know I'd probably say they'll probably end up being some sort of we'll probably resort to 4-4-2 both of us like just hoofing the ball up and, uh, yeah. and getting it back on, on kind of uh, this moment it's something that I've, I've kind of been meaning to ask you for a while and I know Thomas Frank answered it quite you know frankly if you, you excuse the pun on um, when he was asked about about BMW but I, I think it's more than that it's more like this is a very very talented team you've got there and I don't think anyone will make any bones about that do you think that it's crucial to win this game maybe even more so to keep this team together because there is so much talent here that the, the vultures and, and I don't think it's I don't think it's particularly just for your side. I think most teams in the championship, you have a side this good and they don't go up, you get picked off. It's, listen, it's without a shadow of a doubt. We're, not, <clears throat> we're under no qualms. We're Brentford fans. We know that our players have got a pretty much a two-year cycle. You know, we're, we're lucky if we keep some for three years. We were very upset when we first came into the championship because we didn't understand it. Why is everyone after our players? Fans got really upset about it. But we've got used to it now, also because the you know our our staff and our system has been really good in picking the model keeps you know, going, yeah, doesn't it? players. It's it kind of relaxed us a little bit more. So even if we lose players that we love, Neil Malpay, you know um, Scott Hogan, you know Andre Gray, we lose them, and we replace them with players who are better. Um, then we can we, you know, we're kind of cool with it. But I'm under no illusions that you know this team will get broken up if we don't get up. Because I'm not be really funny, we got to the playoff final and. Everyone is raving about us, and we've got three players up front who scored 55 plus goals. Yeah. We've got Ollie Watkins who scored 20, what, six goals? Can't remember how many it is, or 20, yeah, 26 goals. One less than Mitrovic, I think. One less than Mitrovic in the normal season, <laughs> but we haven't finished yet, as I will come around I'd to point you know, out. The golden boot only counts for the normal oh, season, great. Bill. Well, you know, you can have the golden boot if you give us something else. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, Ollie, but Ollie Watkins has scored this amount of goals, and, and, and he's, he's 33 to 1 to be in the England squad for the 20 you know 20 well 2020 stroke 21 Ish, European yeah. championships you know what I'm saying so you know whether or not it's going to be with us or with another team no one is going to be look at, not look at as somebody who scored 20 odd goals 25 plus goals in the championship so if it's if, I believe if we go up he'll stay with us yeah. if we don't go up he's going to go to a championship team um, everyone Chelsea are talking about Ben Rama Arsenal all these other people Ben Rama Bumo, he's got quite a long contract, so he'll probably stay. So there's a there's a new breed, the new breed that came in recently, your Jensen's, your Bumos, your Ethan Pinnock's, your Pontus Janssen's, your Reyes. I think they will stay because they'll be the core of the team. And then the, the 
big players that we'll sell them off and then we'll get new players in if we don't I'm going to say this again if we don't um, win the playoff final yeah and you said it already before the Fulham game when you know Moema was out you know you were talking about Fosu and Baptiste and you know the kind of backup generation's already there they've, they've, they've had six months to blend in so you know you're looking already at you, the backups for next season if it was to go wrong are already in place almost. Yeah, well, that's that, again, that's the whole thing. I mean, we've, we've got, a, from what I can gather, we've got a, a striker pretty much uh, lined up as well for next season. Oh, Ivan uh, Tony, yeah. Uh, the Tony, the Tony. From what, I've, from what I can, you know, it's, it's all over the news. It's not it's not a secret as yet. We, we tried to get him in, in January, um, but it didn't quite happen. So, you know, we've got, you know, we've got him there. Um, from what I can gather, sort of lined up. So we are making plans. If, if Watkins goes, he does. If he's not, we've got, you know, the, the Tony, place, whoever yeah. it may be in place. So listen, as Brentford fans, we just got to just enjoy the moment. And I was thinking about this as I was sort of coming down here today and today as I was, I was out there earlier playing, you know, football with my daughter, we had a little football session and I was just thinking about how terrible for like for us for you for all fans out there this whole lockdown thing has been the, the coronavirus thing has been we've had people dying out there people have had real misery in their lives and they've had you know lost their jobs money everything like that it's been really really terrible a lot of people couldn't understand why we're going back to football why are you doing this that and the other and you know at the time I, I was sort of thinking mm, okay you know I do understand that as well because there is a lot of shit going down and football seems so kind of minimal compared to wherever that is but I have to admit after this like eight or nine or ten weeks I've thoroughly enjoyed I've this been lockdown period it. it's been you know just for this period because it's just lightened my life yeah. it's lightened my daughter's life I've gone out to see my mates we've been happy we've had jokes we've had laughs even if it goes wrong here and I don't want it to I keep touching wood but even if it goes wrong here I'm not being funny but we've had a bloody good time you know what I'm saying yeah. when it could have been really shit this whole period and it's, and it's ended in a real occasion and yes of course it's, it's, um, it's in one way horrible that we're facing you guys because there's so much pressure on it but as well it's certainly, yeah, given me something just to kind of take my mind off everything else. I've checked the news so much less since Fulham and football has been back just because I've had a, like a distraction yeah. in my life. Um, I want to ask about Thomas Frank versus Scott Parker, two pretty inexperienced managers. And we've had our issues with Scott's inexperience this year. He's learned a lot and he's particularly done well <laughs> in the past um, seven or eight games, pretty much since we lost that Leeds game. He's really, really turned the screw and looking like a manager that maybe actually has a bit of a future, whether that's with us, whether that's with another club, I don't know. Thomas Frank is not is a bit more experienced, but not much than Scott. I think he wound up, not just Fulham fans, but generally fans with, I'd call it arrogance before the Swansea game. You might call it confidence. Imagine Billy calls it confidence. <laughs> I'd call it arrogance that you are 100% going to win that game. He was right and fair play to him. How do you think that battle will go down? Because it's an interesting one, how those two will play it out tactically. Thomas Frank definitely had the better of him in that game post-lockdown. First thing you have to remember, Thomas Frank is Danish, right? If you, know, if you know anything about the Danes, okay? If you know anything about the Danes, they don't mess around. They will tell you it as it is. And the thing about it is that they won't think they're being rude. They'll just say it as is. And sometimes there's some people say, tell you something, 
I like talking to you because you're telling me straight. When we met Thomas Frank, I met Thomas Frank a couple of years earlier when he was under Dean Smith and a really nice guy. And the one thing I remember about him is that when I talked to Dean and Dean was like, hey, Bill, how you doing? And we sort of having this sort of kind of friendly sort of kind of fan manager conversation. Thomas was coming over, his eyes were just wide open and he was like just kind of spilling tactics and you could just, I just thought, God, this guy's quite intense. And he was just like properly, properly, properly in it, you know? So come, come, you know, a couple of years later, I've met Thomas, uh, it was uh, Rob Rowan, who's the um, technical director who died, Brentford technical director who died, who was a, a good friend of ours at Besotted, really, really, really nice bloke. So we at his um, memorial at Griffin Park. So Thomas actually came up to us. He said, hey, you Besotted, I, I want to come on your podcast. I'm like, wow, this is that's great. You know, so we started chatting away and then I started to ask him some questions. And the thing is, he just lights up because he loves football. He was one of these people that when you talk about football, sometimes you get, you know, you speak to managers over here and we speak to quite a lot of them and you see them thinking, oh, here comes a fan. They think they know what they're talking about. They always glaze over and they just sort of give you a couple of, and then they want to scuttle off. He was so excited, wanted to talk about football. Then then he started to talk to about some about the players and about other players. And we started to talk about like Josh Clark and like this, that, and the other and players. Shouldn't Josh be in the side? And they start, he was just like telling us all this stuff. And I was thinking, uh, I'm not being, not sure if you should be not saying sure I can, this, I'm not sure I can release <laughs> yeah, yeah. this. <laughs> because he was so honest yeah, yeah, yeah. about what he was saying to us. So I'm, I'm relaying this story because I'm trying to say to you is that he's don't think he's arrogant. It's just the way that he is. When we got him beside again on Pride West London, if you want to check out what Thomas Frank is like, we said to him, right, if you want to come on our podcast, come down the pub with us. We do it in the pub. So we don't want to go to the press room and sit there for a microphone for an hour. You come down the pub with us, have a pint, have something to eat. Then we'll sit down three or four hours and we talk Brentford. He goes, okay. So he comes down the pub, we sat down for four, three hours with him. He told us everything. We didn't edit anything out of that interview. He just told us loads of things straight. He told us that, um, what's it, Josh, um, Joe Hardy was one of the B team players. He just said, oh yeah, well he needs to find another club. And he told us this in the, in the podcast. And we were thinking, God, should we cut this out? But then we thought, but the press guy was there and he, Thomas has said it. And he's told us on this podcast, he wants to leave. So he's straight up. Straight now. The, the, the thing between him and Parker, Parker's a very different manager. And he's just, the different personalities. Um, Thomas is a very people person. He's quite a buzzy person and he's got more confident as time has gone on. Parker is quite a sort of sombre, quite sullen sometimes, quite frank. So sometimes as fans, I think you want to get up yeah. from him. Come on, come on, Scott, come on, make us feel better. Oh yeah, well the performance wasn't as good as I thought. You know what I'm saying? And he's just like straight. And you're thinking, no, we wanted you to pick us up. So there is a different difference between those guys. But also you think about it for Thomas, that last game, everyone says he's arrogant. He's got one last shot. He's got one gun left in the bullet. If we lost to Swansea, what does it matter? We'd lose, they'd go, ah, oh, Thomas Frank got it wrong. And then everyone would be talking about, you know, probably Fulham and Swansea for the final. So it doesn't really matter. He's got to pick the fans up. He's got to pick the players up. He's got to say how he thinks. And also, he knows what the players were thinking. We get the red side rescinded. So he says, listen, we're going to win this match. Bang. End of story. And I, I, we love that because in the pub, everyone's like, yes, yes, Tom. And he just got everybody going. And I, I love that. And I'm sure as a Fulham fan, you would love for Parker to go, tell you what, we're going to go there and we are going to smash Brentford. Because if they don't in the end, at least you think that he is trying to instill that in the players. Maybe. I wouldn't, I would, <laughs> I don't know. I saw, what Thomas Frank, I saw what Thomas Frank said and I wouldn't have been mad happy if Scott had done the same 
in, sa- in the same circumstances against Cardiff. But you were 1-0 down. If you, you were 2-0 you were no, no, down no. against Cardiff. If, if it was the same situation, if we'd lost 1-0 uh, at Cardiff and he'd have come back and said, we'll 100% win this game, I don't know if I'd have I been... want him to say that to the players. I completely agree with you. I want him to instill that. I, I'm just not sure if I completely want him to say it. But look, I, I respect what you saying. Why? The, the, but why? Why? What's he got to lose? Yeah, no, maybe. No, but I'm telling you what you've got to lose. You're not going to get embarrassed, are you? You know, you get a few Swansea fans going, oh, we beat you. Yeah, you beat us. Well done. And then you move on. I mean, it's not, you're not being smarmy about it, but it's just kind of, you've, you've got one last shot. You I know? see what you mean about everyone moving to the playoff final. I, I still think there's maybe, it, it felt like he was basically giving the team talk out loud. And, and, and what I think I said about it was, I was like, well, that's Swansea's team talk on the wall for them. Look, it didn't matter. You won the game. Tell you what, though, people stopped talking. Also, the other thing is that they were going, are your players good enough? Are your players, oh, they've bottled it three games in a row. That's all the press talk that was happening. Yeah, and yeah. What happened after the last game, I can't remember which game it was. It was, uh, there was one game in particular where um, Caroline Barker interviewed him, I think, and she asked him a couple of questions and she said to him, you know, uh, you know she asked him about the players, she asked him a, a few questions and he was very curt with her. And I thought, that's, that's, that's quite unlike Thomas. And I think that the pressure had probably got to him a little bit because everyone was basically saying, everyone's raving about your players and they're not they're not in it anymore not saying that Caroline was saying that but he was getting those questions yeah. all the time so I think he kind of cut it short at the time said I don't want to talk about the players anymore and he says I just want to be brilliant and then I, I think he probably obviously went away thought about it I thought tell you what let me take the pressure away from the players let me talk about the match so they'll all concentrate on the match and so the players don't have the pressure about whether or not they're good enough to deliver or not um, you obviously probably watched both Cardiff games I imagine you've seen a bit of Fulham in, in lockdown maybe not all of our matches because we've been playing at similar times etc what players kind of fear you from a Brentford perspective it'd be easy if you asked Fulham fans we would say yeah the front three um, so what players do you see that you think if he's on his game we're in we're in we're in we're in trouble I'm not even going to talk Mitro because we know Mitro and yeah. I've said it every time and it's, it's it's not as boring but it's kind of like it just yeah. it's, it's, it's a no-brainer Mitro is as Mitro does and Mitro on fire is great even though interestingly you started to play a bit better when he wasn't in your side. Oh, you know? it's something that's been well discussed on. on which is a, which is an parts. interesting thing which we saw with Scott Hogan as well when he scored all the goals. But we talk about the side; he's actually played better. But let's forget him. Put him to a side. Everyone, every Brentford fan will talk about um, Harrison Reed. You know, they'll talk about. Sort of, I mean, it, I think it's unfair to call him Ryan Woods because it's only because he's got ginger hair, like Ryan Woods does. But and he plays sort of in that yeah. position. But you know, everyone. But everyone also at Brentford loves. Uh, Ryan Woods and you know considering the rivalry between our two clubs the fact that fans are actually saying that Harrison Reed, he's a wicked player man yeah yeah we really rate him he's a player who is definitely key uh, and if he's on his game yes he can cause problems so we'll have to be on him um, interesting obviously the last couple of games which made the old eyebrows go is Niskins Cabano um, uh, but he's obviously he went off injured um, the last match. Yeah, and and, and it looked like a it kind of exploded hamstring. From the, no- what we could the, tell noises the, are, the noises are good uh, on Nisca Cabano's fitness. Good, we'll well, good for us. <laughs> no, 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 they're good for us. Oh, uh, okay. Cabano. Um, the, the You're no- in the wall, the Billy. Do you jump or do you uh, or do you stay still? That's the thing with Cabano. Right. Okay. Go over or under. Right. Okay, well I don't know. But anyway, yeah, obviously, you know, with his, you know, with how he's been recently, you know, uh, you put the eyes. But then also you've got people like Kearney who is who are experienced. I know there's frustrations because sometimes you think you can be brilliant, and sometimes he frustrates you. Uh, I tell you what, as well. Um, uh, your keeper as well he's pulled off some wicked saves yeah, this Matt season Rodex. yeah Rodex pulled off some serious saves especially I mean, was it Huddersfield game 
as well. Well, Huddersfield oh, early in the year, yeah, you yeah. played very, very well. Yeah, so stopped us from bottling a three-goal lead, that's which right. was uh, very, which was very relieving at the time. And 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 to be honest, when you look at players like player for um, position versus position, you look at Raya versus Rodak. Not a lot in it, no. and there's not a lot in it throughout our side. You no. look at a player like Pontus Janssen, Michael Hector, Pinnock, Ream. Every player in Fulham versus Brentford is pretty equal. It's why we ended both on 81 points. It's going to come down to maybe a mistake, a moment of brilliance, a moment of genius, or who can just get their noses in front. And, and certainly that's been a massive thing for Fulham this season. You guys have been a bit better at um, coming back from, from one goal deficits than, than we have. We certainly aren't very good at, at coming back from a one goal lead unless it's, unless it's against, QPR. Unless it's QPR. So, that's fair enough. Um, I mean, and that's what we can say. <laughs> we, we're sat here right now. At least we're not Rangers fans, hey? Is that Glasgow Rangers? <laughs> <laughs> that, that too. Uh, no, no, keep your keep your Well, it's different for Brentford because some really hate keep your and some really hate Fulham. It's a bit of a, it's, you know, it's, it's a bit of a cross divide there. Yeah. You know, so uh, I, I personally, I, I for me, it's Fulham. You know, it's always been, and it's just because from when I was at school, that's when it, that's yeah. when it all started. You know, back in the eighties, man, that's when it started, man. When O'Sullivan scored in the seventy-first minute and made me cry, man. You won one nil and you got promoted that season. You know, and there was all sorts of malarkey at Griffin Park and the Royal Oak was taking fans all over the place. You know what I'm saying? It was, yeah. uh, yes, yeah, so you know what I mean. It was a bit, it was a bit, it was a bit lively. Let's put it that way. As a young fifteen-year-old or whatever I was, or fourteen or fifteen-year-old, you're thinking, what's going on here? So uh, that's kind of how you make your mark on teams, and that that derby just said its way for me. So. Um, yeah. Well, it's your cup final. It's our cup final. It's everyone's cup final, and we'll see it's how just it. A cup final, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> we'll see how it goes on Tuesday, seven forty-five. Um, Billy, thank you very much for being on Fulhamish today. Thank you very much for inviting me, lads. And like I said to you, at least we can actually look at the Wembley Arch here, even if we're not going to be here on Tuesday. Aye. Yeah, indeed. Aye. Well, Jack, thank you very much as well for being thank on the you, pod Sammy. today. We will be back. We're going to do um, a very brief podcast following the game, win or lose. Um, it's it's going to probably be 15, 20 minutes reaction. It will be loud and all. it will be very desolate, whatever happens. Um, and then obviously later next week, we will do some more in-depth reaction to the match. So enjoy Tuesday. If you can. If you can. Hope you are able to get a good setup wherever you are in the world. And we will speak to you very soon. Come on, you whites. Come on, you whites. Come on, you whites. Come on, you whites.